Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is brought to you by One United Bank, America's largest Black-owned bank and first Black internet bank. One United Bank is leading an exciting new charge in encouraging us all to think about ways to make Black history now. Through our spending, our impact, our activism, and our legacy. This is more than a moment, it's a movement. With the right mindset and actions, we can be financially woke. When we unite the power of our dollars, there's no limit to what we can do. One United believes that money is power and we can use it to build wealth in the Black community, not only for today, but for the future as well. Move your money and bank Black with One United Bank today. Visit oneunited.com to learn more. Hey, it's Joy Marie and Courtney. We're back, your group chat girlfriends. Yes, bringing you candid career conversations. New episodes on the 1st and 15th every month. And if you love us, be sure to share the show with a friend or a coworker. Yes, yes, Bond. We have a few exciting announcements for you guys today, though. Yes, for our New Yorkers, mm-hmm. we're hosting a happy hour mixer on March 29th, celebrating three years three of years. job blogs. I cannot believe it. It's amazing. So we're going to have past guests, our amazing listeners are coming through so mm-hmm. come kick it rsvp at joblogs.com slash mixer yep and we're also celebrating our anniversary by developing more content for you guys we're thinking about what you want we want to hear from you so let us know what your needs are so we can make content do events that cater to everything you guys care about mm-hmm. visit joblogs.com slash survey when you submit and enter your email address you'll be entered for a chance to win a hundred dollars yeah if you don't want a hundred dollars i listen <laughs> So coming up is a great episode for those of us who are a little more seasoned, well on into our careers, mm-hmm. and we want to go from being good at what we do to being the to-go, the go-to yes. person. Yes. So we're chatting with award-winning entrepreneur Felicia Hatcher on ways to establish our expertise and authority in our industry to attract new opportunities. So stay tuned. But first, 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 first. y'all know we like to kick off every episode with a clock in, check in on how we're doing personally, professionally. Yes. Check in with your people. Yes. Courtney, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm in the grips of my last semester at Mm. grad school, so I have no life, but it's fine because three-month countdown in effect. Love it. Focus. Discipline. And this is crazy because we started job logs like a week before I started grad school. So you guys have like carried me through this experience. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Joy, what's going on? Um, I'm doing well. It's a crazy year as well. It's just a crazy time of year. I feel like work is picking up. It's mm-hmm. insane. So I'm drowning a little bit, but I feel so good. I'm waiting for a few things to shape up, but being patient and, mm-hmm. you know, God's been good. So I'm, I'm feeling blessed. I'm good. feeling blessed. Christ. So I also had a couple cool things mm-hmm. happen in the last few weeks. I got an opportunity to guest lecture a group of grad students at NYU. Oh, the baby. Yes. And I have to say, 
I respect what you're doing so much because just preparing the lecture is a ton of work. Mm. Like just thinking through the points and how you're presenting it and citing sources because it's academia and you can't just make things up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I was like, wow. Um, But that was awesome. I talked a little bit about loyalty marketing and just like the experience economy, which is what I do for my day job. Nice. And then also I dropped a guided meditation in the Shine Text app. Amazing. What is, was your topic? My topic was on worry and just kind of combating that and negative okay. thoughts um, to be more productive. So you guys definitely check it out. It's an iOS app and I love Shine in general. It's just mm-hmm. like great affirmations and meditations for your day-to-day. Yes, so. and out with joy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. What is happening? So uh, the Oscars, you know, they were a few weeks ago, but I'm still thinking about the words that rang out through um, the venue. I did not watch. I didn't either. And my <laughs> life was so much better for it. We had a pool in the office, which I could have done, but I was too lazy. And I was just like, I don't miss this. Mm. Like, it's four hours. And you always leave, like, wanting. It is. Uh, but, but you got the highlights. Yeah, I got the okay. highlights. And, you know, I caught up on the Twitters. Mm. And so, Frances McDormand, winner of the Best Actress for the problematic film Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Mm. Um, she ended her speech with, I have two words for you, inclusion writer. Hmm. And so if you haven't caught up by now, an inclusion writer is basically a clause that an actor can insist on being inserted in their contract and that it requires that the cast and crew um, on a film meet a certain level of diversity. Hmm. So that can be applied to, you know, like disabilities, race, gender, whatever. Hmm. And it was first pioneered by in a TED Talk by Stacey Smith, the founder of the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. Mm-hmm. So basically, this was she worked with attorneys to actually draft up specific language that you could just drop into Meaning contracts. that anytime you want to hire her for a project, right. she has so specifications. So for example, if I want to hire the incomparable Helen Mirren. Yes. And Helen Mirren says, okay, I have a clause that 50% of the crew has to be women mm. if you want to book me for Ooh. this film. Ooh. Right. <laughs> so that was, it was just like a really easy, concrete way of like yeah. shifting. Yeah. Like the structure. Yeah. And I was just, it was interesting to think about like how you can apply that on a smaller scale and mm. just like in anything that you do. Mm. So uh, we're going to be talking with Felicia a lot about like creating opportunities for yourself. So when you get these opportunities. Yeah. How do you make sure to create space for others? Right. I love that. I mean, that happens a lot in the corporate space with supplier diversity. You have mm. some vendors who are like, you know, you must be a minority owned business or you must have this percentage. So right. I really love the idea of just doing that everywhere. Right. So, you know, especially pass it to, you know, the white male in your life. Mm. <laughs> so, you know what? Listen, doing your panels, think about it. I love it. <laughs> and the second thing that I can't stop thinking about. So Atlanta is back. It is. I haven't watched yet. Okay. No spoiler. It's already. <laughs> oh, really? Good. He's doing the most? It's already. In the best it's, way? So Cat Williams is an American treasure. But, um... <laughs> So I don't know if any of you caught up on the New Yorker profile. Mm. And Donald's is an odd 
Oh, he's been that. (laughs) So I want to read this quote. It says, people accept me now because I have power, but I still think, oh, he thinks he's the golden flower of the Black community, thinks he's so different. But I am, though. I feel like Jesus. I do feel chosen. My struggle is to use my humanity to create classic work, but I don't know if humanity is worth it. All right, so <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. But as I was reading I this, feel like Jesus. I feel chosen. <laughs> Y'all be tripping out here. That game has had an impact. Y'all are tripping. <laughs> but, you know, he was talking about stuff, and one thing he was like, oh, and I want to find, like, a black woman to, like, replace me once I'm, oh, I guess, gone, gosh. dead, retired. Okay. I don't know. But I was just saying, like, could a black woman do this? No. Like, could— any woman, no, just like get up there and just be like, I'm no, Jesus. absolutely not, <laughs> no. Like we're not allowed to be like brilliant and difficult. Yeah. You're just difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, do you think he is or Kanye? Like, do you think they're allowed to be both brilliant and difficult? Because they are. But do you hmm. think they've, they've been granted the space to be? I mean, you know. That's an interesting question because I feel like even with Kanye, I mean, he does get a lot of crap yeah. for being the way he is, but he still is allowed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're so. I mean, you think that if it was a woman, the work would suffer, right? Right. So, like, this is not a good example, but I'm even thinking about like Monique. Monique. It kind of is, and I, <laughs> I've been thinking about my thoughts from the other episode, and I've kind of changed since she. Did you see her Breakfast Club interview? Yeah, I've softened to Monique. <laughs> I can't go all the way out because there's something about her, and it's not. I know, but the but that's the whole thing, right? Is like, there something about her because she is a black woman, and we have difficulty? allowing them the space to be angry about issues that are real. Because even on The Breakfast Club, it was like they acknowledged that the salary offered to her was inappropriate. So then it's like, what are we all talking about then? Right. We're talking about her delivery. We're like nitpicking. Yes. And we probably wouldn't nitpick Exactly. Right. Because even I think about like people with like personality in the office Mm. and I think about like I know like there's like the curmudgeon guy and like we just kind of laugh that he's always like over it and even when I try and think of like female equivalents like I work with like for example there's someone I work with and she's like very like she curses all the time she's very crass yes but she's a good time Mm. so people it's like you have to be enjoyable to get away with yeah any uh, yeah. any roughness yeah. to your character. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just thinking about like what we allow in public spaces. You know, it's just a good thing to think about. It's a good thing to think so about. So I'm gonna give Monique a break. <laughs> I'm not for now. I'm we're not, not boycotting that place. That That's too much. <laughs> It's now time for Rants, Raves, and Reviews. This is the segment of the show where we highlight products, services, tools, or experiences that we're currently loving Mm -hmm. or not loving so much in our professional lives. Courtney, you're up. Yes, I'm raving. Okay, I love it. This is like an immediate rave. Like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm raving about this, and I haven't (laughs) even finished downloading it yet. (laughs) This app, because I've been waiting for it, and I'm so glad when the internet gives me things. That I've been waiting for. And it's an app called Vivino. All right. So basically, you download the app, and then you can take a picture of any wine label. 
Mm. Known wine label. (laughs) (laughs) Not your auntie's great. Right. Mix. Yeah. So, and it will it'll bring up, like, how much it cost, the rating for it. It's, like, pulled from their community as well mm. as, like, wine tasters and then also, like, what it pairs with. And Uh-oh. this solves a key adulting issue for me. <laughs> which is what? <laughs> which is, I don't know what I'm doing in a wine shop. Right. Like, right. I want to be cute. Yeah. I have beautiful wine glasses. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. And like that's sometimes I stumble on a wine that's like tastes good, but most of the time I'm like, oh, this is pretty. Yeah. It's a pretty bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Cute. So I love this. Okay. It works for when you want to like pretend that you know what you're talking yes. about. Yes. Little mini sommelier. Yes. And mm-hmm. it also works for like, you know, when you get gifts, mm. you can like double check. And right. Like, what is this really? Was this too much? What did you bring? Honey, or? Right. What did you really bring to the function? So that's hilarious. Cool. What's the name of the app? Vivino. Vivino. Yes. All right. I am also, I don't know if I'm raving, ranting, or reviewing. You're Probably sharing. all three. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just chatting. Um, but I just want to talk in line with our theme today about expertise, about okay. stunting for the gram, like hmm. social media. I feel like a lot of people gave it up for Lent, which is cool. <laughs> and I had a couple of discussions with friends and I just, I still love it. I spend a lot of time on Instagram, but I just love social media. And I do get that it it can be a distraction and we compare ourselves. But hear me out when I say, I think it is one of the number one ways to attract new opportunities, Mm -hmm. like in this digital era. And I think about, I'm just constantly amazed about how much work like we've landed and how many connections we've gotten from that space and even like friends that I've formed. So for me, it's really like my blog. It's Mm -hmm. my form of entertainment. It's like my resume. It's my group chat. It's my pitch deck. It's like all of the above. So I just want to talk about ways to kind of rethink your social to attract opportunities. So using it to like establish expertise, I love to do a completely random, unrelated to anything in my life, Saturday (laughs) soundtrack. And it's just this playlist that I've been making on some Saturdays. And, you know, I love music. Like music is like my soul and my heartbeat. It Mm -hmm. fits, it doesn't fit in with my brand yet in a way that you know, I can think of. You're but a vibe cultivator. I'm a vibe. Take it, team. <laughs> Adding it to the tagline, <laughs> to my bio. But yeah, it's just this thing that I love. And so I do it and I share them. And I've had like real musicians, like real artists reach out to me That's and amazing. be like, oh my God, like I love your sound. I love this. I'm playing it on repeat. So I think about just sharing things that you love consistently yeah. as a way to kind of market yourself, whether it's music or a book that you're reading or um, a conference that you're going to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the ways. And then I also like there's a uh, girl that I follow on social. Her name is Shelby. Um, it's bronze underscore bump. It's bronze underscore bombshell on Instagram. Oh, you put me on her. I like her. Yeah, she works at Vogue and she's such a gem. She's delightful, but she's constantly sharing um, just kind of media news and the new product release Amazon came out with. fashion history lessons, But always, yes, always tying it back to fashion history lessons. So, like, 
deep cut lessons, like Mm -hmm. the history of like head wraps and their role for black women and how they've been reinvented and on the runway for New York Fashion Week and like things like that. And like now I go to her page and she's the authority on that. Yeah. And it takes so much work, too. I don't know. It does. Yeah. There is someone on Twitter I follow, Naima, and Mm. she does these like. Um, Sunday sermons where mm. it's just a thread of like vintage music and she, she'll like pick a topic and I'll dive into like and it's like just like old auntie jam like stuff yes. that no one is talking about and I'm just like someone please give her a show. Yes. I will watch the show like VH1 BET somebody do it and so yeah to your point like you you can establish a need yeah. when you're speaking when you're sharing what you love and no one else is talking about it yeah definitely so you know I, I still love social it's all about how you do it just think find creative ways that are authentic to you to just kind of push out whatever your agenda might be yeah and I think you it shows when you have fun yes so for like sure. make sure you're having fun <laughs> with it for sure guys we're so excited today to have felicia hatcher virtually joining us in the studio welcome felicia thank you for having me on the show absolutely so felicia is kind of a big deal she's a white house award-winning entrepreneur globally sought after speaker and author who works to rid communities of innovation deserts as the co-founder of code fever black tech week and tribe co-work She also creates cool books, products, and courses to help startups, creatives, and broke entrepreneurs follow their most epic dreams. Felicia, you sound like a busy woman. For sure. (laughs) So the reason we really wanted to have this conversation with you today is because I think a lot of us and a lot of our audience on the show are kind of past that entry level point. We're sort of at the mid, you know, mid senior level of our careers and we've been doing great work for a while, but starting to think about how to really attract new opportunities, establish our expertise and really be thought of as, you know, subject matter experts in our fields. Mm-hmm. And Felicia, you've done an amazing job of doing that through your brand, through your multiple brands and courses. Um, so I wanted to just chat with you a little bit about taking a step back, you know, what is even the benefit of being perceived as a thought leader? Like, what is, what's the draw here? Why are we even talking about this today in your experience? Yeah, I think the quote that like best sums that up is like, hustle until you no longer have to introduce yourself, right? And so mm. I think like that is the best way to talk about like being a thought leader. Uh, but it, it comes with a lot, right? So it comes, of course, with like an, an understanding and a unique understanding about uh, either things that you're passionate about, what your mission is, the company you're running, the position that you're in uh, within a company, um, and really having just like a, a, an understanding that no one else really has or perspective no one really has. Yeah. Um, and then being able to add, to kind of take that and add value into any situation that you walk into. Like to me, like that's what a thought leader is all about. So you have like all these like slashes, commas in your title, and they all there's all like a cohesion to it. So before you launched all these things, what were you known for, and how did you kind of know to tap into that and build on into the reputation you have now? Yeah. So I mean, prior to what I'm doing now, is known as like the chief popsicle of a gourmet popsicle manufacturing company, Um, (laughs) uh, which was just like really, really random, right? And so 
I think even the jump from going from running feverish to what I do now, people were like, I don't get it. Like what happened to the popsicles? I don't understand popsicles in tech. (laughs) (laughs) And I always tell people like, you should be more surprised that I ever, ever ended up in a, with a food company than in tech. Cause that's my background. Mm. Um, and that's what, like I've always done, even like as a kid, you know, Mm. like rewiring cable into my bedroom and like teaching myself how to code and, being like one of the first ones of my friends to get like my own computer and my parents didn't know what to do with it. And they were just like, kind of figure it out. And it was like all that kind of creative uh, license to do whatever I wanted and to kind of like tinker and break things. And so, um, you know, that's what that it's, it's funny, but back as a kid, I was known as like a disruptor, right. Which is like really cool to be called that now, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, I didn't know this was going to be marketable. Otherwise, I wouldn't have fought, fought it for all these years. Mm. And and then after that, I was known as, you know, from a professional standpoint, as a marketer. So I worked for tech companies, but I worked on like mostly on the product launch and like the marketing side. Um, PR, like there were all these hats. Um, and, you know, the crazy thing about that is like a lot of those hats I didn't necessarily like want to wear. I'm like, I'm just Felicia and I love sweets and like I love you know all these I like the travel and like how do I put that all into a box and I didn't necessarily know what that was at the time but I just I had a long list of things that I knew that I did not want to do um and that like I did not want to be known as that real that helped me eventually kind of figure out like what my beat is yeah and that's you raise an interesting point because I think a lot of us are similar in that we're multifaceted. We have a ton of mm-hmm. things that we do on a personal and a professional level. How do you, you know, how do you start to refine that and yeah. think about which ones you want to bring to the forefront? Maybe which ones you want to suppress? Like maybe popsicle, chief popsicle officer wasn't going to serve you <laughs> in the tech space in the same way. So how do you start to just sort of sort through that and figure out what's going to rise to the top and what you kind of suppress for different audiences? Yeah. I, I think it's it's the first part is just kind of realizing that human beings are multifaceted, right? Um, and it's hard because to realize that and to own that, you are literally kind of going against the way society and our educational system and everything is kind of run, right? Because mm-hmm. ever since you are, you know, in preschool, people asking you, like, what's that one thing that you want to be when you grow up? Mm. At, you know, from that early age, it's like you have to choose, like, that one thing. Um, even at a creative age, like, you know, four and five and six years old, when you're literally trying to discover, like, how do I tie my shoe and shoe gum at the same time? And then you get to high school, you get to, you know, it's like, what do you, what's that one thing that's going to be that, that you're going to major in? Mm. And then it becomes like, what's that one career path that you're going to have? And, you know, for most people, and that's where I struggled in corporate America. Like I, I was like, but I'm interested in all these things and I'm finding it so hard to choose just one thing. And, um, but I went down that path that everyone kind of goes down. Like I, started, you know, intern like crazy in college. And then I worked, a, I've worked a ton of jobs, uh, just to be honest. And I was not the best employee and I could not figure out why. Like, why do I hate? And it wasn't the job, right? Um, but the job just was not for me, like that particular job or those particular jobs. Perfect opportunities for other people. But it went kind of, again, like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew all these things that I wanted to do, right? Like, when I was a kid, like MacGyver was like the man and uh, and like, kind of like that tinkering and like problem solving. And I didn't necessarily know what that was. 
Um, I also love the movie Boomerang and like those presentations that they were doing and how creative they were. Yeah. Like, there's something there, yeah. and I didn't. Every black like, person identify that. <laughs> <laughs> <It's boomerang. laughs> exactly. Uh, and so it, it I kind of set out on this path of, um, you know, working with nonprofit organizations and things that just interest me. Like I didn't necessarily know what that position was or that at the time that I can kind of glue these things together. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the gig economy now mm. is that you can kind of glue things together. Um, and if you have an interest here and you have something here, like you have this kind of freedom to be able to figure those things out or test those things out and still be able to make money in the process. But it was volunteering for a lot of organizations. It was interning for, you know, a lot of companies while I was in college. And then it was being okay with saying, hey, I'm not going to necessarily do two years or three years at this corporation in order to kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to do, which is not necessarily like the best advice for people, right? If you're deciding to kind of climb that corporate ladder, like, you want to be able to do your two years and you kind of move on to something else. So you can say, Hey, I have a good track record here and that I didn't necessarily leave. But, you know, I, I would wake up some mornings and like just feel literally sick to my stomach to mm. go to work. Um, and it's kind of also listening to all those internal signs that your body is telling you that you're not in the right place. Yeah. And most importantly, that you're essentially stealing from these companies um, because you're not bringing your whole self into those those boardrooms into that office every single day. Yeah. And I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about how you, I guess how our listeners can identify their areas of expertise that they might be overlooking. Cause I feel like sometimes if people can't point to it, like as a talent and say, Oh, like, Oh, I can draw or, or mm-hmm. I can like, you know, this is something I can put on paper and show someone, then they don't see it as a skill. So kind of what are the signs to look for to point to and say, okay, maybe this is something I can leverage. Right. I think the first thing with identifying that is stop trying to figure out how to make money off of it first. Mm. Because I think that's what, uh, which it sounds, it's different, right? But that's where people struggle. So internally they tell themselves, like, this is not a path that I should, I should go down because I have no idea how to make money. Instead of just being brutally honest with themselves and saying, I love this and I can see myself doing this. And most importantly, not only do I love this, this is something that I'm willing to suffer and and sacrifice for until it like it meets meets some sort of benchmark for myself. Right. And that could be financial later down the line. But initially, most people don't have very honest conversations with themselves because the money conversation is what they're trying to answer first Mm. before the conversation with themselves and the decision of saying, this is what I wholeheartedly want to do. And then the next part of that is what, what role do I want to play in this? Because not everyone can be the number one person, right? Mm-hmm. Which is perfectly fine. You may not be the person that can be the CEO um, of that idea. Maybe you need to be a number two person. And that's really where your strength lies is supporting someone who's mission aligned or supporting an organization or company who's mission aligned with this. Yeah. Um, sometimes you never will monetize that thing. Um, but it was still being being in it, being a part of it allows like your heart to sing in a way that it just has it. Um, and sometimes it's just making a shift within a corporation to a different department where you can really shine. You know, but I think putting the money conversation and it's it's a hard right because basic Maslow's needs to need to be met. Like I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Bills have to get paid. Um, but when we're talking about your career path, you know, being able to make that hard decision 
and figuring out the thing like, hey, I think Michael Manson, I believe his name is, um, with his book, like The Art of Withholding Fs. Um, he talks about that. And <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> I was like, I don't, yeah, I was like, I want to make sure I don't, I don't curse on this show, but um, he talks about that. And that chapter is probably one of the best chapters that I think anyone that is a career professional should read is like, what is the thing that you're willing to suck, suffer and sacrifice for? Because that is really where you should be going. And that's a hard, hard, hard reality. Um, and decision for most people to make. So they don't make that decision. Yeah. And that's where people struggle. Yeah, I really like that. I feel like we're in such a branding conscious yeah. um, society that a lot of times we're like, is this marketable first mm-hmm. before we even pursue it? It's, there's a lot less of like doing things for the love of it. I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of our past guests, Jonathan Jackson, um, he's one of the co-founders of Blavity and works in tech. He said something that sort of resonated with me over the years, and that was to do an audit of what people are constantly approaching you about. So literally throwing up an Excel spreadsheet and whether it's a friend that's texting you for help on something or people asking you on your Instagram comments, just keeping a log of the recurring themes that you see people approach you with. Because sometimes that can help shed light on things that aren't even to your point, like things you could necessarily monetize, but... They're themes and it's like everyone asks me about this thing. Everyone asks me about this thing. So maybe there's like something there. For sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like that. Um, but I also think that that can bite you in the, bite you in the, you know what, as well, because you could be down a path and you kind of branded yourself as this yeah. thing or you are in this position. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and every time someone asks you to do that thing, it takes you further and further <laughs> That's down like, this deep hole. That's very like, it's real. not the thing that you want to do, but it's the thing that you become known as. That's you know, very like, real. That was me with I graphic could, design. It was like, don't ask me to do one more flyer. I'm not right. designing any more flyers for you. <laughs> But that's also the thing where you have to listen to your body because your Mm. body a lot of times will tell you the truth more than your mind will. Right. Mm. Like anytime someone asks you something, you start getting like this tension Mm. in your back or you start to get these headaches or you feel like your anxiety starting to rise. Like Mm. those are telltale signs. Like the issue is we are usually not honest with ourselves um, and we do things and we put things out that are not our true self. And if we can move money out of it first then I think you start to see a lot more headway. Like I, there was an article, I believe it was in Forbes today that was talking about um, this girl, honor student skipping college because she wanted to be a mechanic. And everyone in her family was telling her like she was making the biggest mistake of her life. And she's like, no, this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, and there's that whole debate around skipping college and like all of that stuff. But like, if she's made her decision like if she does that and she decides to do something else, she decides to do something else. It's like it's not the end of the world. Right. But at that moment, if that's what's making her heart sing and she's realizing that. And the other the other side of that is like that is an in demand. Right. Like we people that drive vehicles are always always going to need maintenance. And we can't keep telling people to not go down these vocational tracks because we're starting to see this shift from liberal arts to vocational training and careers. And she will always be in business and she will mm-hmm. always have work. Yeah. So there does have to be this other kind of conversation. I like that. I like that uh, balance between sort of heart and hustle, like mm-hmm. finding the value, but also staying true to what you're actually passionate about. So we've 
sort of talked a little bit about why, you know, you want to establish expertise and how you think through identifying that expertise. But how do you get other people to recognize you for it? So shifting your point about being known for something. (laughs) Right. How do you start to just like make sure other people know to come to you about, you know, whatever that thing is going to be? Yeah, I think at that point, that's where creating the content comes in. Right. And so it's when you kind of go back to being like a thought leader, it's you know, where, what stages are you speaking on, right? That kind of puts you in a position to talk about the work that you do. Uh, What content are you creating on an ongoing basis, right? Like this podcast, like a blog, Um, you know, there's so many, you know, video, like what are you doing on a constant basis to kind of put your expertise out there? And so people that can discover you, but then also that you can kind of share this thought process and be able to open up a dialogue with other people. Um, you know, books for the longest time were like that instant kind of stamp of expertise for people because mm-hmm. uh, people don't throw them away. Right. And mm-hmm. they look at it like, um, you know, you wrote a book on this, like you're an expert in this. And so I think, with, you know, being able to kind of create this content in different media forms now allows you to be able to establish that expertise so much faster than before. Uh, and then when you're talking about like being in meetings, you know, um, taking lead on certain projects that are well within your wheelhouse and being able to kill it and show people like, this is, this is me. And this is what I'm able to kind of create. Uh, it's, it's a mixture really of all of those things. And I think people should be focusing on putting content out every single day, whether they want to then eventually stand on a stage or be able to monetize that. Um, but that you can also do that in a corporation internally, like yeah. internally, like through message boards and yeah. through employee groups, like what positions are you holding in these groups that are aligned with who you are and the expertise that you want to build. Because whenever you do leave those companies, you know, you can put that on the resume, you can put that on LinkedIn, you can share what you've been able to create, but you also have a track record of saying, I've done this before, I've done this for years, and here's what I've been able to, 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 to put out. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Felicia, when we chatted before this, you know, you spoke a little bit about um, that internal piece that I think a lot of us overlook because we kind of glamorize the entrepreneurship and the side hustle, but really leveraging that role that you have, that corporate job or that nine to five or whatever, to establish credibility in those spaces. And even uh, oftentimes using that brand and that name, that organizational name as clout to attract other opportunities. Yeah, for me, like, so I worked for the MBA. Um, in cold, cold Minnesota as a Florida girl. I don't know how I survived it for a year and a half. <laughs> uh, but I was a front office marketing manager, right? So I had a really amazing position as part of the front office team and in charge of marketing for the entire team, which is just like crazy for at the age that I was. Mm. Um, and I decided to start a PR company 
uh, like halfway to leaving the company, which was like, I don't necessarily recommend everyone be a lunchtime CEO, but that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> uh, and when I, when I left the company to say, you know, I'm going to figure out if like this PR company that I was starting is like the thing. And again, still trying to figure out what I was doing. I quickly realized like one of the biggest missed opportunity is that I wasn't doing enough outreach with the position that I had Mm -hmm. um, at the company that I had, which was a really respect, you know, it's a, it's a professional uh, sports team. Yeah. And so like, and I took the perks, right? So being able to go to the club and like being able to walk into rooms and people immediately being, you know, recognizing you and treating you some, a certain kind of way, yeah. but like being involved in professional groups and kind of leveraging my title and who I was to establish an expertise by adding value, right? So going to the chamber and doing a workshop, yeah. um, going out to uh, marketing groups and doing a workshop or doing mentor sessions and all of these things that would establish myself as an expert in marketing and PR. I didn't do those things when I was a part of the corporation. Yeah. And that was a problem because when I got out of it, it was like, who are you again? Mm. Um, oh, you're not still with that company anymore. Right. And it's just yeah. like, oh, you know, you don't got the marketing budget no more. Like, we don't really want to talk to you. Who's the mm. new person? And so for me, that was a missed opportunity. Um, and I ended up closing the company, right? Like it was a whole long story, but that wasn't for me either. Um, so a long process of like kind of discovering and kind of figuring things out. But that for me, like till this day, I'm like, why didn't I do a better job of that? And I just yeah. didn't really think that I thought that that would travel with me, right? That as long as I could put that on a resume, I could put that I was formally doing this, that everything would be okay. And people act really different when you're not tied to those major corporations mm -hmm. anymore uh, or those major budgets that you can spend with them. Like they don't answer the phone yeah. as easily, yeah. right? Or they That's don't true. return your email as much. Yeah. And, it, and you kind of think that like, hey, I can easily jump from this corporate position into an entrepreneur in the same field without doing any of the legwork in order to build the relationships in that kind of capacity. And I just didn't do that. And so that's a huge recommendation for people of like being able to like wear that hat um, and, and be able to show up into those rooms. But most importantly, kind of build those relationships and add those values uh, to those organizations that you do eventually want to work with in some capacity um, with the hat that you currently have, because it's, the respect is there. Right. Um, that it's not when you're just kind of like knocking on doors as an as an entrepreneur and be like, you know, can we work together? All right. So I'm hearing that to establish credibility, it's about basically putting yourself out there, whether mm -hmm. that's through leveraging um, the reach you have with your current position or it's just creating content independently. Um, so I like that idea of kind of a step, taking upon yourself to establish yeah. yourself as a thought leader. Um, so when it's time, I guess, how do we shift that from deploying all this information to then turning it into opportunities? Mm. Yeah, I think there's a number of ways that you can go about that, right? I think one is kind of figuring out what those opportunities are, you know? Mm. And so a lot of that is just kind of putting, like, and I, we still do that to this day with with um, where we are. Is like, I am putting together a, a wish list, right? Whether that's organizations or corporations that I want to partner with, um, the, the projects that I want to work on, whether I have the team to support it or not, or I have the funding to support it or not, but putting those things out there and then essentially kind of creating an asset map, which I do all the time, right? So, hey, I want to be able to build a co-working space, which it took us two years in order to fund that project um, and then the construction. But I, I put together like 
who are the five people within my network that can help me get one step closer to this in all the other all the areas that I needed filled that I personally did not have the capacity nor did my team do in order to move those things forward in a timely fashion. Um, and I think a lot of times people just don't break their goals down like that. Um, in order to explore opportunities. The other thing I would say is like positioning, right? Which sounds really much cooler than it is, but like put yourself in the places that make the collision points for those opportunities to happen mm. that much greater. Mm. And I think so often we we're like in front of our computer at home and just mm. like click clacking away and just like, they're going to discover me. They're going to discover me. Like, <laughs> no. Um, and I do that all the time, right? Like I will see a conference and I may, may or may not be interested in the conference, but I'm like, you know what? I need to meet with this person because they're not answering the phone. They're, you know, I got a LinkedIn premium account, but they're not like responding. But I know that this person is going to be there. And I know that if I can get five minutes with them, then that is going to make all of the difference. Like I just need to get in front of them. And that's what I do, right? So I will get on a plane. Um, and I will put myself in the room of the person or the people or the organization that I need to be having a conversation with. And so it's doing those things. And it's not like rocket science, but you just be surprised how many people like do not do that. Yeah. And I have conversations with people all the time. I'm like, conferences are the best. Like, that's why like, I'll be in South by Southwest this weekend. And why do I go to that circus as much as I love it? It's just... <laughs> It's sensory overload and it's a madhouse. But like, you know, the people that are there, the gatekeepers are gone. It is the best way for me to be able to connect and actually build a relationship with someone mm -hmm. um, and then be able to turn into, um, you know, a, really, a partnership. But I, I hate I like doing those things because it's not transactional. Yeah. Right. Which you never want to be in that position where people like you only want to deal with me because of the money. Like, no, like, let's go to this bar and let's do whatever we're doing at South by or whatever this conference. Like, let's have fun and connect. And if something does happen, something happens. But I know that I need to be able to connect with you in that kind of setting before we can connect on, the, on some other things. Right. So right. that that to me, those are two things that work really well for me. And just like, how do you balance that, those two things of being connecting with someone, but also being strategic about those connections just to make the most out of those events? Like, do you, you said that you'll go to connect with certain people. Do you know, already know the type of work you want to do with them? Do you show your hand while you're there? Kind of, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny because I, uh, I had posted this meme on, uh, Instagram that I found someone randomly said, and so it was just like in 2018, stop randomly sending people emails that saying like, let's work together. Like, let's be specific in 2018. Mm. And so, um, and you don't, you just don't realize like sometimes people are pitching people just these blanket statements or these blanket pitches and like, no, be specific. Yeah. And so when I'm meeting with someone, I'm doing my research and I know exactly how I want to work with them. Mm. And in my emails, if I'm doing a cold email, which I try not to do, um, I'm listing out like, here, these are three things or three ways that I think that we can work together and add and create a win-win situation for both of us or for both organizations. And people appreciate that so much better because like, first of all, we don't check voicemails, right? We barely check, respond to emails when people are like, let's work together. Right. Like how, right. you know, and, and that way I know that if, 
because sometimes, you know, you pitch someone and they just might not be the right person. And yeah. you get discouraged because you're you're pitching to the person that can say no, but they're never the person that has the authority to say yes. Yeah. And so the only way to figure that out is to be very specific and say, this is what I want to do. And I, I remember I was uh, a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with uh, you know, a pretty significant tech company. And it was myself and my partner. We were on the phone and we were shoot, like, we were shooting our shot. Like it was probably, <laughs> it was the best, like all laid out. Our pitch was like perfect. And at the end of the call, the guy was like, this all sounds amazing, but this is above my pay grade. And you would think like my heart just like fell out on the ground. I don't know how that guy didn't hear that on the phone because I was just like, I didn't do my research before the call. I just mm. saw the company name. I quickly got on the call. I'm like, we're going to shoot our shot. This mm. is going to be like, we're going to make it. And that you never want to hear that. Yeah. Right. But that comes from not being prepared. Um, and I didn't send that email. Right. And so anytime I'm in that situation and that happens and I go back and like, I didn't do what I usually do or should have done in order to make sure that that because that call wasn't the best use of either one of our time. Right. Um, and so you have to be prepared by doing your research and then like specifically saying, this is how we can work together. Yeah. Cause we've all done it. Like you've, you've gotten those emails from these people like, Hey, can I, I just want to take you to lunch and show you this video. And like, no, I don't want to be a part of your MLL like, scam. Like, tell me why we're meeting. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that can come off very aggressive when you respond back to someone like, tell me specifically why we're, we're meeting. And, and it's about saving time. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, if you can save people time and you can add them value, you're always going to be an amazing, amazing asset to whatever the opportunity is. Amazing. Well, Felicia, you've given us a lot to think about and a lot of, I think, really... Yes, I'm about to go make my asset. Hello. <laughs> Tell our listeners where they can find and connect with you around the web. Yeah. So you can find me at Felicia Hatcher on literally everything because it's easy for me to remember. <laughs> uh, and if you want to find out more about our work on ridding uh, communities of innovation deserts, you can go to CodeFeverMiami.com or BlackTechWeek.com. Okay. And Felicia, we'd be remiss if we let you go without shouting out your course because you actually teach a course on how to establish expertise. Yes, yes. So I, on my site, uh, FeliciaHatcher.com, I teach a course on how to become an epic expert. Um, and that is a lot of what we just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. So either creating content, establishing yourself as an expert, expert um, in whatever field that you're in, and then how to monetize um, your expertise. So and that's a four-week self-guided course uh, that's available on my website. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Courtney and uh, Joy Marie. Thank you so much. Bye. Now, this is the time of the show where we open up that good inbox mm -hmm. and address your career and life questions. Now, if you have a conundrum in career, just hit us up. We're happy to let you pick our brains for free. No shade. Yeah. So it's joblogs.com slash askjoblogs or hit us up at 929-324-1090. Yep. And we have a question in the inbox today. 
This person says, greetings. I am a rising star at a financial institution working in a department that investigates white collar crime. Mm. In a short period, I've received multiple promotions, increased responsibilities, and developed sponsorship relationships with several executives. Mm -hmm. I have a close relative who shares my last name and is about to plead guilty to a white collar crime. As the damages are extensive, I'm expecting it'll receive a lot of local media coverage. My last name isn't common, and I know it'll be easy to make the connection. I've prepped my boss for the situation, and he's been as supportive as possible, from offering to defend me to his peers to offering to help me find a role outside my department. Any advice on how I should brace for impact? Should I tell my peers or my sponsors in advance? I would be interested. I wish I knew what city she was in, because is this a small town? I, I have no idea. Drama <laughs> intrigue. This is juicy. It is. Because really, I wouldn't tell nobody nothing. You know, that's what, when I first read this, um, when we got it in the inbox, I was like, mm, yeah, start to put together a plan. But then after a while, I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Like, why? Because right. we haven't even gotten to the point yet of this relative mm-hmm. pleading guilty so I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Like, why don't we wait till we see? You've told your boss, who's right. the most important person. Yeah. Why don't we wait to see what happens and then deal with it reactively? You still thought about it, but why go out and tell everybody your business for no reason? Because people are going to be messy regardless. Yeah. So if it's like going out to tell everyone, that's giving everyone something to talk about. Yeah. Like, met with everyone and it's like, oh, did you hear? Yeah. Did she meet with you? She just told me this. Right. Whereas, like, if someone just wants to be messy, like, from on their own accord. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about that anyway. Yeah. And ultimately, it is truly your relative. It's not you. So I just, I think you've told your boss. I see that it's a, a huge conflict of interest. Like, I get mm-hmm. that part of it. So, I mean, if it does blow up and it's starting to be a situation on Google, you might want to hire someone that does SEO or PR for personal Ooh, brands that can help you just, like, clean up your online presence just to make sure your name isn't the one coming up in those searches and background searches and whatever. I like that. But beyond that, why, you know? Yeah, you can't worry about, like, what other people are going to say. yeah. And hopefully there's enough news that (laughs) there'll be another Trump scandal, girl. (laughs) It'll be pushed down. That's true. That's true. Good luck. Keep us posted. Yeah, good luck. Let us know. Uh Uh-huh. How I want I do wanna know. Like if somebody like says something or starts something, let us know. Yeah. So we can like brainstorm with you. Right. But I don't think people will be that. Like people have yeah, some shame. Yeah. They have some. And I mean, we, like, I chatted with an HR friend, too, and this, it was the same thing. It's like, there really is no need to create a splash until necessary, especially if you told your boss. Mm-hmm. Good luck, girl. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, so so much fun. Thanks so much to Felicia Hatcher for joining us. Mm-hmm. And many thanks to our sponsor, One United Bank, America's largest Black-owned bank. If you enjoyed the episode and are looking for more resources to encourage you on your financial journey, head on over to oneunited.com. They do Black history all year round with blog topics like Stay Woke, Five Movies That Uplift Black Voices, and much more. Yeah, so be sure to follow them around the web at One United on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And connect with us around the web at Joblogs and Joblogs.com. I'm Hamas Parker. I'm Cleve Out Loud. See ya. See ya.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 